When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Sorry that we couldn't get live last week. I was feeling a little bit under the weather, but Russo was a champion and held down the feed with his first and 10, which I believe he will probably send some thoughts out later this week. But uh, Russo, how are you feeling? We're coming off a victory. It feels good. What's up? Never comes without a price, though, right? <laughs> I mean, you feel good, and uh, and obviously, listen... It wasn't pretty, but we're Jets fans. We'll take anything we can get. And you feel good after that. And I still, I think all of us, especially like you feel kind of the uh, the the feeling in the slack was we felt positive about AVT. Um, but then you get hit with that, uh, the news yesterday, which was tough. But ultimately, man, they get a W. They go to Denver. They get a much needed win. They do it for Hackett. You feel good about how they played. They could have been better, but they still come out with a 10-point road win. That's nothing to scoff at, especially for uh, for us Jets fans. Yeah, I guess we can kick off with that. I, I initially wanted to kick off with the positives of this dub that they got. But, yeah, it, it's like it, he's cursed in the Denver field. It's, it's really, really sad and unfortunate because he's been their best offensive lineman this year. Even though I, w- I will say Becton is making a case, especially um, in pass protection, and obviously, Joe Tipman has really emerged over the past three weeks, but it he can't play there anymore. Like, if they ever go back to Denver in his career, he's not allowed to play. Like, I, I was joking in um, in the Discord, but I was like, they need to treat the situation the way the Steelers used to with Ryan Clark, how mm-hmm. he wasn't allowed to play in the altitude because of a condition, uh, a sickle cell anemia. But, like, ABT should just be, like, injury prone on this field, like. It's so unfortunate, especially because Sala has been saying that, like, he's been talking about potentially swapping positions long term and, like, knowing that you potentially have two long term bookend tackles. It's such a gut punch, man. And you feel for the guy because now you got to think about this is like he's coming off a major injury. Thankfully, he's young, same injury as Rodgers now. It's two guys with speed bridge. Like, it, it sucks because now, you know, instead of feeling good, like we have three promising young offensive linemen, it's, you know, we have someone who, you know, we're a little bit worried about with vaccine who left the game. Tipman seems like an absolute stud, but how are you feeling about ABT overall? Because it's really, really sad. And I love the guy. He's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're talking long-term and I think just in the short term, like you just think about how good this offensive line has looked over the course of the last three weeks after they lost Dwayne Brown. And you start to feel really good about it because they got the five best out there on the field and they have looked pretty, pretty good. I mean, I think you grade the Patriots game on a curve because I think despite of what the numbers looked like, they look good. I think Zach Wilson held the ball for like four and a half to five seconds every time back there during that game. So, um, you know, you, you look at that one a little differently. But yeah. last week and this week against Denver, I think they looked really good. And now it's just another blow. It's a, it's another gut punch, which it's hard to deal with. You just hope that Max Mitchell can kind of, you know, fill the hole that he did in a, in a way that he did like uh, like last year. And um, that, you know, the offensive line doesn't miss the beat. Now, the, the, the 
interesting thing will be what do they do at left tackle if and when Dwayne Brown comes back? That's going to be um, a question that we'll see, you know, how that gets answered and how Salah handles that. Yeah, ultimately, I hope, you know, the hope is, is that, you know, Dwayne Brown is playing better than what he was before he went down. I, I have a feeling, and this, and this is just obviously a gut feeling based on, you know, all the conversations in the summer is like Beckett will have to move back to the right side, even though I don't want him to. He's shown that he's mm-hmm. really good on the left side, and that's his natural position. You're not going to make a 39-year-old right um, offensive lineman or 38-year-old, whatever he may be, move positions for the first time in his career when he's already like, you know, a walking injury at this point. But I, I think – Someone that we probably have to, you know, think a little bit more positively about because he was playing well. And then obviously he dealt with a very serious, you know, condition with Max Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I thought when he filled in at right tackle last mm-hmm. year, he did a really good job at times. Um, I know he didn't have the best summer and it seemed like he was really behind the curve when you're comparing him to some of the other offensive linemen. The one guy that I really hope doesn't have to see the field, even though he did, you know, went back to dropped out for a little bit is Billy Turner terrified i just feel like zach wilson is never going to have a chance if billy turner is playing offensive tackle but um it's just every win especially big wins <laughs> always feel like they come with it's at what cost like the yeah. thanos meme what did it cost well yeah. it costs abt it's just <laughs> can we get some some injury luck like we already lost aaron Rodgers in the fourth play of the season and now we lose our best offensive lineman five games in. Like, come on. It's just not fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, I that's, that's the it. thing. If, if you were to make a list before the season of, of the top, what, five to eight, ten players um, that you couldn't afford to lose, Aaron Rodgers and AVT would certainly be on that list. And, and it just sucks that the two wins have cost us both of those guys with Achilles. Uh, and to your point, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, the schedule makers, I think we've gone to Denver now three years in a row. So it's time to either bring them to us or just get rid of Denver off the schedule altogether. You know, what's great. Not only have we been there three years in a row, we've actually played them four years, four years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess if you date it back to 2017, we've played them like every year, yeah. but 2008, 2019, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of that has to do with where you finish in the standings and the conference sure. and obviously the overlap with visions that you play but yeah i don't want to ever go to denver anymore can we just stop playing <laughs> 98 afc championship and now losing uh avt Brees and avt again i'm good not going to mile high yeah okay but we've talked about the sad so now let's talk about the happy what are your overall thoughts about this win because like you said it wasn't pretty the penalties were brutal i felt that there were some really questionable coaching specifically in the red zone with nate hackett but i i want to say i do want to give him credit because there were some good plays that he called and obviously we are not a first quarter team. It's it's just the way it goes. Like it's it's every single game this team is asleep in the first quarter. And I'm I'm so guilty of it and I'm gonna own it on this show. It's like I'm ready to fire Robert Sala after every first quarter just because <laughs> I'm like, is this team like care about this coach? And they do. And I need to just I need to just stop letting my emotions get to me and realize it's it's 60 minutes, not 15 minutes. Yeah. But um Brees Hall, man, what a freaking stud. What are, what are your overall thoughts? And we'll talk a little bit more about Brees Hall because he looks like the guy that we saw last year before he went down in Denver. I think coming out of Denver with a 10-point win, despite everything that happened and all the miscues, you have to feel good about. I think Zach Wilson looked good, you know, for, for Zach Wilson. Like, it wasn't, is, it wasn't a good. Kansas City-esque performance, but it was, you know, a C-plus to B-minus, maybe. I think... When you look just at Zach, the one pick I can like 
Was it the best throw? No, but I like taking the shot to Garrett Wilson on third down. You give your guy a chance to make the play. And honestly, Garrett had a chance to make that play. That show needs that that throw needs to go back shoulder, but neither here nor there. The ball security continues to be an issue. That stat line could look a lot different if some of those fumbles bounced another way, right? So those are things you have to take um, into consideration. You can't just look at the box score and say 19 to 26 for almost 200 yards. Um, you know, that was a good day. But 70% completions, like you do take some good from that. And I think he managed the game well. He had a big throw to Conklin on the on what should have been the last drive to seal the game. But listen, you know, there's progress being made there. That's not a that's not a New England performance. It's somewhere between Kansas City and New England, right? So which is good. I think you're right. I think the defense, we talked when we had Dan Essien on too of, of how scary this defense could be with the lead. Well, it's like then start faster because yep. They should have scored a touchdown after the after the punt and fumble recovery, but they get you a three nothing lead. So respond and be able to build on that. For whatever reason, they're sleepwalking. Both sides of the ball are sleepwalking through the first quarter, quarter and a half, and they need to figure out how to eliminate that big play. the The undrafted rookie McLaughlin for for Denver, you know, goes forty yards up the sideline. The next thing you know, catches a screen, he's in the end zone. It's like boom, now you're down seven to three. I don't know what needs to happen. It just feels like every game this team gets punched in the mouth with a big play or two and then are behind the eight ball. After that, and for the remaining two and a half, three quarters, they figure it out and and offenses can't move the ball on us. But for whatever reason, they're just off the slow starts and they got to turn that because for the running game for Zach Wilson, I think this team overall just kind of needs to play with a little bit of a lead, but you're not going to do that if both sides of the ball are underperforming for the first quarter, quarter and a half in every game. Yeah, I, I think I think if the offense was able to score a first quarter touchdown, it would put so much more confidence in the defense. And I think they would play, you know, a little more free instead of like I feel like when they're feeling the pressure to keep things afloat because the offense isn't scoring anything, like they feel like they have to be perfect. And then that 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 causes, you know, miscommunications, it causes, you know, missed tackles and them making the silly mistakes that we see. Um, I want to give a lot of credit to the secondary specifically. I thought they were outstanding. Like whenever the Jets got beat, like you said, it was short passes in the like screens and DJ Reed didn't play. Sauce was out for a few plays, which leads you to why is Sean Payton doing an end around with a rookie in Marvin Mims who had two fumbles in the game when Sauce Gardner's not on the field on that play? I, I, I was like expecting Russell Wilson to literally just challenge that side of the field, but it's it's kind of just crazy to me that they that was what they did and like I would have went right at them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I think it's crazy. I mean, Jerry Judy was very quiet. Had one big oh, catch Sutton. on the on the on the final drive uh, that scored a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, I'm sorry, on the second to last drive that where Denver yeah, scored yeah, yeah. a touchdown. Um, Cortland Sutton didn't have a catch until that final drive. So to your point, yeah, to give credit to the secondary uh, and, and I mean. The linebacking core, and we have to talk about Quincy Williams um, and how good he's been through five games. I mean, it's it's just uh, – he's incredible. He's flying around the field. He hits anything that moves. And for Ulbrich to call that blitz uh, on the game-sealing play and for Quincy to get him like he did was just outstanding. That guy is playing out of his mind right now. And for a guy that I don't think any of us were excited about when the Jets signed him, uh, when he got released from Jacksonville, to be doing what he's doing now is, is just is nothing short of amazing. He and I, I was going to peg you this question. He's playing like an all pro linebacker. Absolutely. Like, I don't even think it's even debatable. I think he's one of like this season, the three or four best linebackers in football. And that's mm-hmm. 
amazing because as Jeff fans, we kind of thought, you know, CJ Mosley, CJ Mosley, he's definitely not the same player he was in 2021 or even really for that last year. He's still a good player, but he's not CJ Mosley in his prime, the guy who had like the greatest three quarters before getting hurt in 2019. <laughs> and we always were fearing, like, what's the depth behind him other than Quincy? Meanwhile, Quincy seems like he's the guy now and he's all over the field. He's dropping back in coverage. He's, you know, he's going after the quarterback. He's doing everything he can all over the field. And it's just such a joy to watch. He literally plays like his hair's on fire. And it's, you're seeing the improvements year over year. And even really from 2021, I felt like there were a lot of times that he would miss, he would miss time players and miss tackles. And sometimes he would go too hard. And now it seems like he's cleaned all that up and he's evolved into this just wrecking ball. Like it's, we've been, we've been asking for a player like this. Like, I feel like we haven't had someone in the middle of the field with this speed since Vilma. Like, I mean, can you, can you think of anyone who's been as electric in the middle of the field? I I personally cannot. (laughs) No, uh, you're right. And I think him and, and Mosley are kind of the perfect compliments to each other. I think Yeah, Mosley kind of brings that, that quiet confidence and the the calming sense in the middle of the field. He's the quarterback of the defense. No question. He, he rarely makes the wrong play, which is nice. And Quincy, we always was, you know, for the first two years he was here, we always kind of said he was like a boomer bus guy. You know, he, he'd make the big play, but he'd also kind of miss the big ones. And now he's eliminated the the misses out of his game and he's only making big plays. And he's just he's been nothing short of amazing through the first uh, the first five games and absolutely playing at an all pro level right now. Credit yeah. to, to Salah and Ulbrich. Um, for what they've done him. with him, I mean, they, they've you know maybe they're he's he's having like that Fred Warner type trajectory uh, with his career now, which is just uh, it's great to see. I don't want to say anyone's Fred Warner, but I get what you're saying. It's it's that it's that chess piece in the solid yeah. defense. Um, an interesting thing that I saw in Albert Brewer's uh, article yesterday was just talking. It was like solid. I think he he sent a text to Dave Caldwell, who was the guy who drafted Quincy um, in Jacksonville, saying like you were right because. That Dave Caldwell got fired and he was the one who picked him and he fell out of favor with a new staff. Mm-hmm. One man's trash is another man's treasure. And he, Quincy has certainly been treasure for the Jets. It's it's one of those moves that you got to give credit to Joe Douglas alongside Bryce Huff, guys that were claimed, you know, either as undrafted free agent or off, off waivers, which leads me to Bryce Huff, who, man, that guy could do anything, you know, uh, off the edge. He is just absolutely a game wrecker as well he's oh his get off is crazy and, and you know what i really want to give credit to the jet staff we felt there was a stubbornness to you know keeping carl out there and they were like you know what we have to switch things up because we're not getting as many sacks as we like bryce huff is easily our best pure pass rusher it's not even debatable anymore how good this guy is i mean jermaine had his best game as a jet i would say um forcing that fumble and just was all over the field but Bryce off, man, you got to pay this guy like now, like if do better to be early than late. I mean, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to, he's going to get a top of the market dollar. I mean, maybe not like, you know, like Nick Bosa, but like very high level, you know, edge money, like mm-hmm. probably close to 20 million. I, I yeah. don't think that that's crazy to think about based on the production that he's had, but uh, what are your thoughts on Bryce off, you know, through five games and really through after this Denver game? I mean, I'm, extremely happy that it just feels like the staff is smartening up and getting him on the field more and more and more, because that's what we've been clamoring for, for yep. a year plus now. Um, I think he's developing into a very nice player overall and not just kind of a, a specialty edge rusher. I think you just see the impact. I mean, I'm watching the game with my nine-year-old son, Jack, and I'm just saying like, 
you know, it's a third down play. And I'm like, Jack, watch, watch 47 at the bottom of the screen right now and watch him get off and watch him get to the quarterback. And sure enough, sure as shit, that's what he does. Right. I think when you talk about this defensive line, like Carl Lawson is now just forgotten about. And that that's a shame. That's another conversation for another time, but you kind of still forget about JFM and which is crazy because he's still a very important piece and a very good player. So it's just, yeah. it's commendable. You forget about Will McDonald a little bit, but Will McDonald had the nice spin move to free up Quincy on the, on the last play of the game. Right. So there's just so many pieces to this D line, but Bryce Huff being this guy that you can rely on that like nobody can block. And for him to have, what is What is the stat that we just saw today? He's top five in pressures, but yeah. he's like 85th in snaps. Like it's that's crazy. insane. He's unblockable at this point. Like, yep. so just continue to get him on the field. And it goes back to our earlier point about if they can somehow, if the defense can step up a little bit and, and shore up some of those early game mishaps and the offense can just be a, a, a C plus to B minus consistently. And this team can play with a three or seven point lead. And you let guys like Bryce Huff pin their ears back. I mean, that just, it, it means the world and, and it could really it turn these guys loose. And then you start getting Will McDonald a little more comfortable and you start getting him in the rotation a little more. And yeah, like Jermaine had a fantastic, his bull rush is insane. He yeah. just gets, he gets into offensive linemen and just pushes them back and closes the pocket. And one of those two is going to get to the quarterback. It's, it's, it's awesome to see. I love watching this Jets defensive line because yeah, they are, true. I don't think the sack numbers are where we thought they would be, but that's when you, when you look at the numbers themselves, it doesn't stack up when you're watching the games, the pressure, the win or, you know, the pressure rate is, is up there. Like they are, they are putting pressure on the quarterback. One I'll flip to the negative. They got to figure out how to, how to, how to spy a quarterback and, and stop yeah. a scramble. That is, that is absolutely their Achilles heel right now. I mean, I, I felt like they did a good job against Josh Allen uh, week one in, in that aspect. See, I think with Mahomes too, other than the one play, which there was clearly a hold, we don't have to talk about that. I know, I know you talked about it on first and 10 last week, but I think overall they do a good job with that. I think, you know, they were, they did, I don't think they expected Russell Wilson to take off because I feel like if you, if you watched him last year, he really wasn't relying on his legs the way he did when he was in Seattle. So I think that they kind of were expecting him to take more shots in the field. But I will give them credit. I feel like in the second half, they made a much more conscious effort to spy and i think that they really made some good adjustments and that's the one thing i do want to give credit to the defensive staff they're really good at making second half adjustments it seems like every second half defensively they've always looked much better than they have in the first and it kind of goes back to like you know they're not they're not a first quarter team but like i've seen so many times over the years as a jets fan that this team would just never make adjustments and get killed Mm. by the same exact play over and over and it's like at least this team and the staff has self-awareness but also you know just the determination to make sure that they're not getting beat the same way every single time and yeah. i would like them to be able to cover a screen pass that that would be nice it, it's still <laughs> a problem it's been a problem like for 20 years but um i'll take what i can get because overall you know the pass defense was great russell wilson Agreed. was like under 100 yards basically through three and a half quarters and then he had some garbage time yards but yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm feeling good about the defense um <clears throat> I talked about him a little bit at the top, but I do want to talk about Brees Hall because it actually doesn't make sense how good he is at this point. <laughs> like, no, it, it really doesn't. And I, I know Joe and Connor were talking about this. Like, Curtis Martin is, like, the, the only player that's even remotely close in terms of comping, like, of what Brees Hall is able to do and how talented of a player he is for the Jets. Like, 
we've had some good running backs. I know it's been a bit since we've had someone really good. I, I would say the last really good running back we've had, you know, I guess prior to Brees being on the team, I I, I don't want to give Ivory that credit because Ivory was good, but he wasn't even close to this guy. I guess he's Thomas not, Jones. He's not. We say Thomas level. Jones. Thomas Jones. Thomas Jones was the last like Pro Bowl, like really high level running back that they've had, and obviously since Curtis, but. Yeah. Brees Hall, and no disrespect to Thomas Jones, Brees Hall could be, you know, the second best jet back if he continues to play this and stays healthy that we've ever seen. Like, he's that good. And yeah. his ability, once he's in the open field, you could see that he had the confidence when he broke that run. I mean, everyone's been saying this. It was only a matter of time where he... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline had the big one and i feel like he could have had like three big ones in this game i mean there's just certain plays where it's like you know they they do make a good play but he's so ready to break out and i feel like it's just the beginning of what he's capable of and i i expect more and more and i i do like how they've gotten him more involved in the past game zach has improved in that area he actually can not dirt those balls like with the running back yeah i mean breeze is an alien it's it's crazy that he's doing all this um what 11 months removed from acl surgery which is just absolutely insane in the comp to Curtis Martin, like, yeah, in terms of Jets running back history, I think you, you have to kind of go that route. But, you know, I was a, I was a kid, but I still I watched every snap that Curtis Martin took. And they're just different runners. I think Curtis Martin, yeah. if there were 10, 12 yards to be there to, to, to get, he was going to get them. Um, he, Curtis had nowhere near the game breaking ability that Brees does. Like if Brees gets to the second level, chances are he's gone. And that's yeah. insane. That's and and for a guy that's what that's six one, six foot, two twenty plus like. To have speed like that and deceptive speed, like that's the other thing. Like he's so smooth, he doesn't look fast, but he is, and nobody can catch him. He is, he. I mean, just from a talent perspective, he may be the most talented running back that we've seen in our lifetime. And, and Curtis Martin was oh, yeah. my, you know, my favorite Jet, one of my favorite Jets of all time. And you, he's a Hall of Fame running back. I mean, he's the fourth, fifth leading rusher of all time. You can't he's Mount Rushmore of Jets. Yeah, you Mount can't Rushmore. discredit that. But Brees may, I mean, listen, we are a very short part into his, uh, a brief stint in his career. But from a talent perspective, like he's got things that Curtis didn't have. And I'm not sure that Curtis has things that Brees doesn't, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? I, I just think, think if you the level of talent that Brees has could end up being greater if the injuries, if he stays injury free and has the, the longevity that Curtis has, which is the, that's the longevity is why Curtis was so great. I mean, how many thousand yard seasons in a row, like all that stuff, but Brees is just, he's next level good. And, and, and he's just him and Garrett are those two guys where you just have to feed them and get them as many touches as you possibly can, because they are going to be the reasons that you win. Yeah. I think that they've they've done a good job of making you know a priority of getting these guys the ball. I know Garrett didn't get as many targets as he did against the Chiefs, but they did force feed him. And I do I do you know appreciate and recognize that they are trying to figure out this solution given you know what the quarterback change that they've had. Um, I do want to talk about um, Zach because I like you said I think he's improved and I, I definitely feel better about him than I did after the New England game. 
Um, the one thing that drove me crazy and everyone crazy was the play before the half. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I saw last night when I was watching Monday Night Football, Jimmy Garoppolo had a play where he literally spiked the ball in like four seconds. Zach had 10 seconds on the clock. And I know that everyone outside of Uzama really was not running with any sense of urgency back to the line of scrimmage. But to me, beyond Zach, that's coaching as well. Like that's on Hackett, that's on Calabrese, that's on Downing, that's on all of them and the Insala as well. Because, you know, you you essentially just threw away three points. Like I know it didn't matter. They won by 10, but, the, you know, it, the game could have been over soon if you had those three points on the board. But also Zach also has to have to have the awareness to know that they didn't have a timeout. So I got to throw the ball as close to the sideline as possible or into the end zone. There's no point. Like it would have been better served if he took a shot to the end zone and got picked off and then they just nailed the ball like the one or two yard line. It's just those are the kinds of things that you cannot afford to do, especially when you have a team like Philadelphia coming to MetLife this week. You cannot allow that because that you cannot throw away free points. I I don't understand like what was going through his mind and not understanding. He he must not look at the clock or knowing how much time is because it's just. I, I, I couldn't really believe what I was watching. And that was just one of the things that I, it just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I digress. It's just, that's really, I, really pissed me off. I, and, I get it. And yeah. it was Matt Ryan said on the call, they, they used to call it uh, the ozone, right? It's either out of bounds or in the end zone. Robert yeah. Sala went on Michael K show and said, they call it the ozone. It's either out of bounds or in the end zone. <laughs> he said, he's got to do a better job of coaching with that. I find it hard to believe like, that's just, that's not just a, a professional thing. That's just football one-on-one. Like you, you have to be aware in that scenario. If all fans are aware in that scenario, then the quarterback of the New York Jets has to be aware. And you saw him just kind of slowly getting up to the line when there was four or three, like ticking down. It's like, you got to have that sense of urgency and that's got, that's a hundred percent got to be on you. So yeah, I think coaching is at fault, but I put more fault on Zach Wills and that's just situational awareness if you're going to complete that ball in bounds, which you shouldn't have done first, you, you get your slowest receiver on an out route, gets tackled in bounds. He's rushing to get the ball back in, in place for the ref. And then Zach Wilson just kind of moseys up to the to the line to spike it three seconds late. Like, we, we can't have that. Zach Wilson from a, a broader scale, though, yeah, we saw improvement since New England. It was not as good as Kansas City, but – he played a solid game and I think he made the throws that were there to be made. I would like to see the play calling a little bit better. I think that was what was kind of missing from the Kansas city game. This time was, you know, they stressed and you keep hearing the announcers say too the importance of throwing on first down for, for a young quarterback to get in the groove. I don't think they did that. They definitely didn't do it in the red zone. It felt like every time they got inside the 10, it was run, run pass. You're not giving the kid a chance to, to succeed at that point. I mean, and I felt like, it was like almost every time they got inside the 10, they had first and goal from the 10, which if you're yeah. going to go run, run pass from there, that just makes it even more difficult to get the kid in any sort of rhythm and score a touchdown. Um, but, you know, 19 to 26 for 200 yards. He didn't throw a pick till the last drive. Like, again, I, I said it earlier, there were some turnover worthy plays. He's got to have some ball security. He's got to have more pocket awareness. I feel like he still can't feel that rush, but the improvements there. And you play like that, and that's well enough to win for this team. I think the Jets, top to bottom, have a good roster and can win with quarterback play like that. Yeah. I think one of the improvements that I've seen over the past few, two games is that he's you know, he's executing the offense the way it's designed to be executed. He's not 
we're not seeing him like run backwards like he used to when things he got yeah. in trouble. He's stepping up, which is important. He's scrambling, or he's at least just stepping up and trying to lean into a throw. Like that one throw he had uh, to Garrett, I think it was um, – I don't remember what part of the game. I think it was in the second half when he he stepped up and he just threw like a dot to him and Garrett mm-hmm. slipped. I got nervous. I thought Garrett hurt his like leg or something because <laughs> of the way he fell down, but thankfully it was okay. But also the play with Conklin, when they were like completely expecting the Jets to run the football, he stepped up, big boy throw. Conklin, but a great game, by the way. I know people have been getting on him for his inability to break tackles, but he's really, really been stepping up. I mean, he had a great catch, obviously, against Kansas City as well. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's just pleasant to see that these guys are getting the ball and they're not afraid to throw like they were like, it seems like a lot of progress has been made since the New England game. And listen, Zach has earned the job. I mean, until, you know, he's losing them games, which he hasn't, he didn't lose them the Kansas city game. He was, he was, he was phenomenal. Like best game he's ever played as a jet. I I, I know I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but Mm. it's not even debatable, especially like some of these throws that he made. Um, I'm feeling good. I mean, this definitely is a, you know, house money game. It's like you don't expect to beat the 5-0 and Eagles, who are the one of two undefeated teams at this point. But I think that they are due to slip up. I mean, they they held it close with, you know, Minnesota, with um, with New England. I'm trying to think of another. Washington. Obviously, Washington, yeah. I, I think that their secondary can definitely be attacked. The key is, is can the Jets run the football against them because they do have a great defensive line. Jalen Carter seems like the early favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Um, but obviously, it's going to be can the Jets get home against that offensive line because it's it's outstanding. And Jalen Hurts, his putting, he hasn't been as good as he was last year, but he's still re- a really good quarterback, high-level quarterback, uh, probably you know one of the, the five to seven best quarterbacks in the league. So – how can they step up and build build on the performance they had against Kansas City? Because I feel like that's the kind of blueprint they need to have. It's just like play with that looseness, that that feeling of being free. And I think you do have a shot. I mean, I, I'm not expecting them to win, but what are your thoughts heading into this Philadelphia game? Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I think it's a, it's a house money game. I think you're obviously – it seems from the outside looking in that Philadelphia can be ripe for the picking. 5-0 is 5-0, and and that's, you know, that's nothing to scoff at. Um, but – there it hasn't looked pretty um you're not going to complain about wins that's the ultimate goal so i would you know i trade five ugly wins for for what we have right now um but you do you don't feel like this task is as insurmountable as i think you would have um looking at it you know if you knew zach wilson was going to be our starter at the start of the season so the key is um can paul paul i keep calling him paul hackett can nathaniel hackett call a game like he did against kansas city can they get a few breaks? Can they get Jalen Hurts to turn the ball over once or twice? And can they eliminate the first quarter gaffes that get them in a hole? And maybe they play, you know, and they go punch for punch with uh, with Philadelphia and pull it out at the end. But even more than this, I think a lot of us were looking at three and three, regardless at the bye, even with Aaron Rodgers, to come out of it two and four, and maybe to hit your groove after the bye week and get yourself to four and five, five and four going into that next Bills game. I think that's gotta be um that's gotta be the goal for this team. So we'll see. But this Philly game, it's gonna be tough seeing how the Jets offensive line stacks up against a vaunted Eagles defensive line minus AVT now is big. And Philadelphia's is good in the trenches. So their offensive line is uh, is really good too. So it's gonna be strength for strength, I think watching the Jets D-line go after Hurts. And obviously Hurts has uh, 
he can move. He's got legs. And, and like we talked about a little bit, that was um, that's been something that has uh, has kind of killed the Jets uh, thus far this season. So we'll see how they can how they can combat that. But I think that, you know, I don't know if we're going to get in predictions, but I think the Jets can keep it close here and we'll see what happens. Figure out a way to stop the tush push. That's that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one keep, thing. Just Nobody keep them out it. of third and fourth and ones. That's it. It's easier said that, than done. But I know it's easier said than done. Um, one of the things that I I hope that they at least have this mindset going to the game. Like this is the kind of game where you should try things. You should just mm. be aggressive. Like I know we've been getting on Salah specifically back to the Kansas City game when he kicked that field goal instead of uh, that they missed instead of going for the fourth uh, the first down. This is the kind of game where go for it. Do not just settle for field goals. Like you're not going to beat the Eagles kicking five times the way they did or six times, whatever it was um, against Denver. You need to score touchdowns. So whether it's going for it, fake punts. The one thing I'd love to see them do is if they were to defer, I guess, um, to start the game, if they won the toss, do an outside kick. Why not? Like that's the kind of thing to try to, to catch them off guard or like fake field goals, fake punts. Like, they really need to get creative with this game. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about, and then we'll do our predictions for the game, is what's going on with McCole Hartman? Because he was a guy, and, and I know at whenever you're if you're watching live or you're listening later, either on Tuesday or on Wednesday, it seems like they're gonna move him. I, I don't know if like what the deal is with this. Um, but he was a it's not like he was an inherited guy like Denzel Mims, who you know fans were higher on than the staff because they didn't draft him. But they gave this guy four million with the with the ability to make up to five and a half based on incentives. He has a lot of us. He has a similar skill set to Xavier Gibson. He's probably more dynamic at this point and better than Randall Cobb. Yeah, Randall Cobb getting all the snaps over him. Why? I, I want to understand like why are they not playing him? Is there something going on internally? Which is what I believe. And I know uh, Brandon Tierney tweeted it out that there's problems behind the scenes, but. I don't know. He also said that Aaron Rodgers was um, in the building when he actually was in California the week after he got hurt. <laughs> um, but it, it's just kind of baffling to me. This guy has a lot of ability from a speed standpoint. Like you need to use him, and I, I yeah. think we're pretty we're pretty thin at wide receiver. Like why are they not even giving him a chance? It makes no sense to me. I think the two the two biggest factors that play into this with McCole Hartman are one is the Aaron Rodgers injury. I think you you build an offense in the offseason. Based on Aaron Rodgers being there, I think that opens up a lot of things. And now they've had to tail the offense of Zach Wilson, which probably limits a lot of things of what they can do. I think the other thing is the emergence of Xavier Gibson and and what he's done, not only from a special team standpoint, but now you see him kind of get out there on the offensive side of the ball and and run the you know wide receiver reverses he ran against Kansas City. You see him kind of being a decoy like he was against Denver. Yeah. I just think those two factors probably are – going against Miko Hartman and, and and not not going in his favor to which makes him kind of expendable. I mean it was one year 4 million like was that a mistake in hindsight? Yeah, but I think if Aaron Rodgers was healthy, I think he would add an element to this offense that they could certainly play with and he'd obviously be playing more than he is right now, but the simplification of the offense and what they have to do being more of a run first team now with Zach, it just doesn't bode well for him. Yeah, but I it's it's funny you say this and I'm going to counter with the the point of like Rogers not being the quarterback and him not being on the field wouldn't that actually make more sense for from for Cobb because Cobb is the guy that's only here really because we got Rogers whereas Hardman they got before Cobb was even close to you know coming onto the team and they said that they have like a specific role for him that was I remember the tweet that Rep Rep yeah. put out when they signed him so my feeling is what was what was the thought process it was just like just to do the quick game with him with Rogers and now. 
they're just doing less quick game because Zach isn't, you know, as yeah. efficient with it. Like, I don't understand. I, I think in a vacuum that makes sense. I just think there, I think there's a trust there with Hackett and Cobb. And I think yes. there's there's just a certain reliability factor with Cobb and kind of making the play that's there. I mean, you saw it against Kansas City. He had that five-yard catch where he stuck his hand, stuck the ball out, got the first down. I just think there's a kind of an old faithful with Cobb where you don't really – I mean, you don't know whether or not you have that with Hardman because they haven't given him a shot. But I think Hackett just has the trust in Cobb. But I do – I don't disagree with you on that front. I actually – I'm probably against the grain as, <clears throat> with this uh, than, than most Jets fans are, but I kind of – I see a role for Cobb because of that reliable factor, especially now that Zach Wilson's there. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if if I were Joe Douglas and, and Robert Sala, I would A, keep Hardman, and I would B, find a way to get him on the field because I just speed kills, and you need yeah. everything you can from I this feel. offense. I just, if we're talking objectively about why this is happening, I just think those are kind of the things that are that are factoring into this decision. Yeah, it's it's just disappointing. I mean, look, it's it's not one of those major free agency whiffs where you committed multiple years and a lot of guaranteed yeah. money. It's four million dollars. So I don't think we need to like panic over it. It's just no. frustrating because you gotta want to see what you had in him, and he was a guy that could be a game breaking game breaking speed change. Yep. Yeah, game breaker. Sorry, I don't know what I was, know what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, so before we wrap, we got to do uh, predictions for the game. Uh, the Jets opened up as a six point dog at home. They're playing four twenty five against Philly. I don't know if this is true, but I have, I think it might be America's game of the week. I think it might be Burkhart and Golson. I'm not sure. If not, it's at least probably hopefully going to get some decent announcers for Fox. So what do you think happens? What do you, do you think, you think that they keep it close? Do you think that they, st- I, I know you're Mr. Optus. Do you think they're actually going to win this game? <laughs> I don't think they're actually going to win this game, but I do Neither think do they keep it close. I think, uh, I think the Jets defense is good enough and the Eagles offense. I think the Eagles overall just haven't looked like we became accustomed to last year so far through five games. I think there's a possibility the Jets steal this one, but ultimately I don't think that it happens. I think the the Eagles win this game something like, I'll say, I don't want to go the same route. I'd say like 24 to 20. I think that ultimately ends up being the score, but I I do think the Jets keep it close. I think there's a shot in the fourth quarter, um, and and it's just uh, the the Eagles and their offense and their weapons prove to be too big. But if there's one way the Jets can win this game, it's there's a couple of ways. But it's it's to your point, they got to play, they got to play loose. They got to they they have to play to win. You can't settle for field goals. You you can't settle for punts on on fourth and one. And you got to turn Zach Wilson loose and take a couple of chances. Do a couple of trick plays. Like you know, try the. Um, you know, the little flea flicker that you tried against or that you're going to try against Kansas City, stuff like that. You got to pull all the tools out of the bag. You're going to pull one off with Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback against the team like Philly. Yeah, I, I can't pick them confidently just based on what I've seen offensively. They haven't scored enough points. Um, I do think that there will be opportunities for them to test the Eagles secondary. But I do think it's going to be difficult for them to, uh, you know, win in the run game, especially without ABT. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say, you know, uh, I say 21-14, they don't cover. I think Philly wins by seven and they get the job done. But it's it's a game where you feel encouraged, you know, having the bye week, hopefully getting some guys back um, who are a little bit banged up. Hopefully DJ Reed plays, but if he doesn't, you'd expect him to be back. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's it should be entertaining. Of course, it's another 425, so we'll, we'll get a late Badlands. Uh, however, <laughs> if it's a therapy or... Post game party, 
Um, I'm happy that we finally had a uh, post-game party because it, it's been way too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> any closing thoughts as we head into Eagle Week? Happy to get out of Denver with a win. Um, like you said, playing with house money this week. Let's Hey, you get to two and four, maybe you sneak away at three and three. Your, your season's looking a whole lot different coming out of that buy. So that's the key. Just play well. Don't let it be yeah. a don't don't Shoot. don't lose 33. Play well, yeah. play competitive, keep it close, see what you can do. Maybe you sneak one out. Who knows? I, I made this joke to a bunch of friends. I was like, if the Jets somehow beat the Eagles, you know that they come out flat after the bye and lose to the Giants. <laughs> like that's just I don't make the rules. That's just what will happen. 100 <laughs> percent You're absolutely like guaranteed yeah. that that's what happens. Yeah, they'll figure out a way um, to get to three and four no matter how they do it. They'll beat the Eagles and lose to the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Badlands TOJ, um, on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, just search Charlie Jets live. You'll see our logo, which you actually can see if you're watching live in the, in, in one of those platforms. Um, and obviously if you've not already make sure to become a Badlands Patreon subscriber, best premium Jets content every single day. You have articles, you have, you know, multiple podcasts beyond just the normal feed. You have, you have film room. It's, it's really great stuff. Everybody's been contributing all season. It's been awesome. Make sure to check it out. Best $10 you'll ever spend if you get the War Room package. Uh, we appreciate everybody who tunes in. Apologies we didn't have our live show last week. And we'll talk to you guys soon.